What is good, everybody? This is your guy, Manny, and this is the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. For the first time, this is no longer the Back Row Commander Show. This is the first episode or the continuing episode of Talking Commanders with Manny. Um, Got a special guest for you guys. I got my boy, Durrell Shilor. I call him Shilor. I call him Shilor. Um, he's but, uh... in the building. Long time, long time Washington fan, fantasy analyst, and a beast in fantasy football. My gosh, you Lord, man. What's good with you, brother? Bless, man. Can't complain. How you feeling today, Manny? Man, I'm feeling good, feeling great, man. Uh, tons of uh, excitement right now. Um, we now have possibly a QB1. This is a Sam oh. Howell episode. Um, Sam Howell had his first game, and uh, Ron Rivera almost got fired because – it all started like this. <laughs> Taylor Heineke was playing so bad that Rivera had to bench Taylor Heineke, but almost didn't. And then put in Wentz, who he had to put Wentz in, but he should have gone how. But for the fact that the team was still in contention, he thought that Wentz can get it done. Because Wentz came into that San Francisco game and fooled everybody by moving the ball and scoring a touchdown. Then he finally goes to Howell. Howell plays decently well and made throws specifically four throws that I have not seen done all year. So what is your assessment of Sam Howell, uh, Shilor? So first and foremost, just background, going into last year's season, college football season, Sam Howell was projected the number one pick. Okay. And everything that you would want in a quarterback, mm -hmm. big arm, mobile, smart, Literally turned around the, pro the program there for the Tar Heels. Had some amazing weapons on his hands. And we come to the next year's draft, and he literally falls to us in the fifth round. That's amazing. So, now, crazy. to you, what was the knock on Sam Howell? Why was it that Sam Howell fell to the fifth? Not only that, he had guys like, didn't Zappy get picked before him? And, you know, um, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis. I mean, there were several quarterbacks, at least five i can think that went before sam howell what was the knock on sam howell the big knock was the productivity drop off but it's to be expected mm -hmm. you lost to diami brown who's on the commanders mm -hmm. you saw him get drafted initially he's excited he calls his boy up they're about to do the thing yes sir that was crazy you then lose javante williams and right. you lose michael carter so right. you lose three elite weapons mm -hmm. And, you know, North Carolina is not your powerhouse. It's not your Ohio State. It's not your Alabama. Right. So when you lose that kind of talent and then you come back, you're the lone quarterback, it makes a big difference in terms of the evaluation. Right, right. So my rebuttal to that, if I'm playing devil, devil's advocate, would be, okay, so if Dayami Brown was his main receiving weapon, mm. and he's gone, but then you can say Michael Carter and Javante, they did catch the ball a lot. Yeah. So who were the other wide receivers that, you know, Sam Howell was able to, you know, throw to and at uh, North Carolina? Right. I'm not sure who else they had after that. I believe that was the knock that we had as far as actually the prospective piece when mm -hmm. they had that come in as far as the talent drop off. Mm -hmm. But the big thing for me is whenever you can do it as a true freshman, and that was That's the true. big thing. He came out as a true freshman and showed he had skills. That's true. I mean, That's, That's the true. same trajectory that we saw with Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. coming in as a freshman, knocking it out the box, killing the game. 
Like that right there to me speaks a lot more volume because it one lets me know that you had a maturity. Right. Um, but that's the big part, like the maturity and the poise. And I think when we saw that on the field is that same piece. Right. The big thing for me in the Washington Dallas game was after he throws the pick, mm-hmm. does he shrink up? Does he, does he, does he, you know, get confused? Is he, you know, flustered? No. He got the clipboard, came back on the sideline, came in, and then at that point, it was almost like he became a lot more free. That's true. Because he started letting some balls go then. Right. Felt like before, you know, kind of got the butterflies out. It's kind of like that first hit, hip off or what have you, same thing. He threw a pick, and then he got out of it, and he locked in. Now, what what I didn't like about – sorry to cut you off. What I didn't like about Scott Turner was he kind of had the training wheels on. Uh He had the training wheels on. And you're bringing in a guy, you have nothing to play for, so just explore everything, right? But the game script was such a positive for us that we didn't even get to see Sam Howell throw the ball 25 to 30 times. Not only that, we were within winning. I mean, we, we were winning, and you had to treat this as a real game. There were times when it was like fourth and four. I wanted us to go for the first down, but you can't. It's not playing Madden. You got to mm-hmm. – He's situational football. You got to kick the field goal and kick. Talking about field goal, we're gonna talk, we'll, we'll get to Joey Sly later. But um, <laughs> man, we got timeout sports in the building. We got my boy Dev in the building. Man, appreciate you hopping on the stream. Man, appreciate you hopping on the stream. Uh, this is now um, talking commanders with Manny podcast uh, featuring Sheilor for the first time on the show on the Commanders Pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt like there were four throws, right? You had Dotson who had over 70 yards, what three receptions, and you had Terry who had three receptions over 70 yards. So in a small sample size, both guys were able to get over 70 yards mm-hmm. at over three receptions each. Well, three receptions each. Mm-hmm. Both guys are happy. Terry is endorsing this guy, saying, Hey, you know what? I want to see this guy compete next year for the starting job. And and that's a that's a great testament to you know how so right. tell me about the connection between Terry and Howell and what you and, and, and what you saw Sunday in a small sample size. So a couple of things with that, right? Being able to lead a receiver has been the biggest thing that we've been lacking because we have two extremely athletic receivers in Terry and also in Mr. Dotson that haven't been able to catch the ball in stride. So they've been having to maneuver, make acrobatic catches, and all those other pieces. So the initial, his first throw, he comes out, he throws a touchdown pass to Terry. He leads him, it's a perfect dot, thrown perfectly, caught him in stride. He's able to catch the ball and take off and use that 4-3 speed. That we often are, you know, we, we forget just how fast Terry is. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of the connection, right? But then right. you see the deep ball later on in the game. And when that deep ball comes out and you see that thing go and it's sitting there, it's floating <laughs> right and it's right in stride and he doesn't have to break his stride to make the catch, that's an NFL throw. Right. It's been negated. We've been, you know, as a fan base, we've been missing that. Right, right. And this is just a little diagram of that pass. I can't show a lot of videos because of uh, Twitter regulations and stuff like that. But um, Dev brought up a good point. Dev said the only sad part about winning is that we lost – I mean, we could have had the 10th pick. But my rebuttal to that is you play Howell, you found out what you could about Howell. He looked apart. So if he can do these several different things that we want him to do, having the 10th pick doesn't really matter because we're not taking the quarterback. 
So that's my rebuttal to that. And I think we're, right now we're locked into the 16th pick, and we have other holes. Like we have the corner, we have offensive line, we have linebacker, we have several different holes that we need to fill. So I'm okay. I'm okay with the results that I saw on Sunday, even beating Dallas, which made it even sweeter for the fact that it was Dallas. So what's your rebuttal to that, us losing a potential top 10 pick? So I'm always of the mindset, right? This isn't fan sports. This is the real deal. This is the NFL. I always want to see my team compete. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if we're competing, then that's all that matters to me. And, of course, whooping up on Dallas, that is great. That's great. <laughs> All season as a grandest fan. You ain't got to hear about no Dallas fans talking on noise. Yep. Tampa Bay in advance on embarrassing them boys on Monday night next week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for me, it's never about draft position. It's all about what you have to do. It's right. If we look at last year's draft, everyone wanted Chris Olave. Mm -hmm. And you and I are on the same page. Trade down, get additional picks. So yep. One trade down now leads to what it is that we're looking at now as really a trinity of Jahan Dawson, mm -hmm. Brian Robinson at running back. Yep. And lo and behold, is this this quarterback that we're talking about now? Is that the same pick that we actually exactly? <laughs> your quarterback, your wide receiver, and your running back of the future now all right trade down. That's right. What great teams do. They make more with less as far as the assets. It's not where you pick. It's who you pick when you get on the clock. Right. And also, I'm going to get into, like, the little uh, comments and stuff of, you know, what people are saying about Howell right now. But um, Dev also says that's true. I'm just not sold on Howell. I'd let Howell compete for a QB1. But getting a QB, and Shalora's right. My whole thing about, well, look, here's the thing. Everybody's saying the job is in house. Like, I mean, we just got just a little one game snippet, just like, you know, two years ago when Taylor Heineke came on the scene and we thought Taylor Heineke was a franchise guy. He mm -hmm. obviously wasn't. The different scenario here is that this guy's on a rookie contract, super cheap rookie contract. We talk about drafting this guy, drafting that guy. Here is a guy here. Some people don't even want a first round guy. They want a guy in the second, third round. Here's a guy here that you got in the fifth round that's still under contract for three more years. You bring in a cheap vet. So my vision, uh, Josh Taylor, I give Josh Taylor the, like, the credit for this. Josh Taylor said, why not bring in a cheap vet, one that's serviceable, that's under like around 3 to $4 million a year, just for one year, right? Opposed to the Taylor, the Taylor Heineke market might be 7 to $8 million. And we already know who Taylor is. If you can get in somebody who's solid, have that guy compete with Howell, see what happens there. The, the whole goal for me is to keep the quarterback room total money very low you keep that money very low then you can talk about now you can pay pain now you can pay cameron curl you can pay all these different guys that need to get paid the end of the day the key is a rookie and the only reason why i say don't draft a rookie in this draft unless it's you know you know like the top two you know top two guys if they fall to your lap and then striking this is and that's different. But even then, you, you still want to see what you have in this guy. And then you can still attack quarterback in 24 with another solid class coming in. Want to talk about that class coming in in 24? Caleb Williams is him. <laughs> and it's obvious. It's clear. You can see it. He jumps off the screen. He looks like Patrick Mahomes-esque. Mm -hmm. That guy is the number one pick in the draft. 
2024. Yep. I think for us, this year's draft is is definitely has some talented quarterbacks. However, I think for me, I, Sam Howell and Yvette will be an ideal scenario. Yeah, and, I mean, I love it. Yeah. Heineke piece. I will be fine with bringing back your Heineke along with Howell and letting them compete for a job. So here is Darren M. Hayes on Twitter. He says, this is what a commander's rep told me about Sam Howell. He's special. Ever since OTAs and the preseason, you could tell he has it. Okay. He could have definitely let us, he can definitely lead the franchise moving forward. And here's the thing. People talk about these late round guys not necessarily being this or being that, right? Oh, he's a late round guy. He doesn't have to draft capital, blah, blah, blah. Well, Dak Prescott, up until a certain point, <laughs> was a solid guy that was drafted in the fourth round, right? Also, Russell Wilson, what was he, third round pick? Third rounder. Derek Carr, when he was good, was second round pick. So sometimes you can find these guys. It's hard to find these guys. I'm not saying that Sam Howell is going to be Tom Brady or whatever. You just never know until you give somebody a chance, right? Under the right OC, Scott Turner needs to go. Under the right OC, I think that Sam Howell has everything they were looking for in a quarterback. Even in this small sample size, you still got to see what you have in him. You can't say, oh, well, we gave him one game. We're going to, even if you, let's say you draft a rookie, that's fine. Compete. If they both are good, guess what? You have another RG3 and Kirk Cousins, you know, scenario where you have two nice young quarterbacks. So I'm not opposed to not drafting another guy, but it won't be in the first two rounds for me. You know, but I think this guy has all the tools to to potentially be the guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rio Robinson broke it down. He was like anticipation. You know, he he's, he's a leader. He he can move with his legs like that. Last touchdown was a designed run. Taylor Heineke doesn't do that. This guy juked and sn like this guy snaked himself into the end zone. Taylor Heineke would, you know, get outside it and dive and, you know, do what he can this guy is athletic. This guy has a big arm. The 52-yard pass to Terry McLaurin, he's never had that. And if he's and if he and if he's had that, it hasn't looked this good. I mean, he threw it. Terry said, This guy walked the ball into my hands. Pause. You know, so <laughs> so I mean, it just made sense. Now, with Howell, right? Uh -huh. Let's say that Howell is the is the QB1 going in. What other areas does a team need to fix in order to look like a presentable team, especially on, on the offensive end? Um, for me, tight end needs a major upgrade. And um, I think Logan Thomas, I think he's definitely run his course with the team. Mm -hmm. Done a good job for what he was, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Actually made the transition. I believe he had like a, a parent on one of the coaching staffs as well for us. So I think he's kind of run his course. I think that young playmaking tight end is the piece that we're actually missing. Um, that will be what I'll be looking into, um, number one. And then I think number two, what's interesting is the offensive line had mm -hmm. best games against Dallas after looking crazy for several weeks. Now, mm -hmm. some of that is going to be the quarterback presence. We right. Sam Howell getting stripped from behind or missing the ball or, or those types of things. So I think it makes a big difference when you're kind of looking at that. The right quarterback definitely helps the line because they can know where he is. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of great uh, comments in the comment section. Um, so 
somebody mentioned that, you know, it'll be good to let Taylor Heineke go. And and I'm okay with that. I'm half on half on, on Taylor Heineke. The thing is, anytime you bring in a new quarterback, he has to fit that system. He, you can be a great quarterback all you want. If you don't know the offense and don't know the system, you're not going to work. You know, it's not going to it's not going to fit. A lot of times we want names, right? You bring in his name, bring in his name, bring in that name. Russell, somebody talk about Russell being bad and Carr being bad and Dak being bad. Yes, they all were bad. Dak was just bad all on his own. Okay, Dak has fallen off. He's 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 bad. Russ went to a whole nother team. The system does not work. That's why there's talks about Sean Payton coming in and blase blase. Right. Then you have Derek Carr, who did not work with your boy McDaniels. Uh McDaniels had his boy Stidham. Two games looked great. So system is a big thing. And that's why we always stress the team needs to get an offensive coordinator that's going to bring out the best out of Sam Howell. Even if you have a new owner, new coach, new this, they're going to get a guy that's tailor-made for their offense. Why do you think every time a new regime comes in, what do they do? They okay. get their own quarterback. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get the guy that fits your system. Talk to me a little bit a little bit about that. Who can we possibly bring in as an OC that can help this team? Because this team, I saw somebody say Jimmy G and Howell competition. I'm okay with that. I think Jimmy G fits the offense. I think he does. Um, I'm okay with that. So what are your thoughts on potential vet and a potential offensive coordinator? So that's the big part of this, right? So I really believe if we're going to go with a brand new office coordinator, it might be time for a whole new coach, Um, head coach on down. And I think what we're seeing with a lot of these teams, we're seeing the offensive minded coaches come in and then that is where the leadership and everything comes. It comes from the top on down. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm looking at an offensive-minded coach. That would be incredible. We're looking at a Sean McVay, who served as an offensive coordinator, here yep. and left and go to the Rams. They went all their chips in to go win a Super Bowl, and now it falls apart. Mm-hmm. Who better to bring back in than Sean McVay? We know the system. We saw him, you know, craft together mm-hmm. different systems we saw them have elite receivers and everything here so that will be like my dream scenario mm-hmm. ron's out sean mcveigh's in young energetic offensive-minded coach because <laughs> you know yep, yep ron's still gonna hold us back because mm-hmm. of defensive thought process yep and i believe even the fact that you know that riverboat ron's mentality mm-hmm Give some some good things to it, but without an offensive structure, no thank you. Right. So somebody's saying that um, Dev is saying that we're not getting a new coach this year because the te- you know Snyder selling the team in March. Agreed. And it'll be too late, you know, by that time. So I I think Ron is owed one more year, and it's this year. The only reason why I say Ron is owed one more year, he's been through a lot, um, but it's not about. Whether you know what you've been through is about winning games, like winning seven to eight games every year doesn't cut it. But the reason why I say I think that Ron finishes out this year is okay, he drafted Howell. Howell is this guy. Whatever you got to do, the first step is firing a uh, Scott Turner. That's the first step to saving your job. Because if this team does not produce anything less than 10 wins next year in a playoff, matter of fact, a playoff win, 
you can make the playoffs and not win and still get fired. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think anything less than 10 wins starting out and then playoff, playoff appearance and possibly a playoff win, that's the only thing that's going to save Ron Rivera's job. Because now you finally get your quarterback. Every quarterback that you've brought in that you've that was a vet, they didn't work, right? You have a young guy. Even if you bring in another vet, let's say you bring in another vet. Let's say Jimmy G and Jimmy G wins the job and you start the year two and five. You're fired midseason. So whatever you decide to do offensively, because the team is built, the team is one quarter. It's a quarterback away. It's quarterback away. But the beauty of having a young rookie quarterback or a young guy like Howell is the contract. That's the only way that you're going to be able to do some of the things that you want to do. Even bringing in a Jimmy G, it's going to be so expensive. But I'm telling you, there's going to be guys that the team has to cut in order to make things work. Like we talked about cutting uh, Curtis Samuel. Uh He showed up this year. I loved what he brought to the table, but he's a guy that is expendable. J.D. McKissick, goodbye. Logan Thomas, goodbye. It's going to be so many guys. Those two old dinosaur guards that he brought in, they're gone. Okay? It's going to be tons and tons of guys gone. And even defensively, Cole Holcomb, goodbye. I'm telling you, in order to sign some of the guys you want to sign, some people have to go. And it's going to be a bloodbath, and people are going to be upset and angry, and Taylor Heineke might not even make it back. That's just how bad it's going to be. It's going to be a, a revamped roster, um, and I, I see a lot of changes coming. A lot of changes coming. And here's my wild card in the first round. I know we need offensive line. I know we need a linebacker in a corner. But if we take that tight end mayor in the first round, the 16, I, I'm okay with that. He's going to improve the run game. He's a great blocker, great all-around t- a talent, possibly one of the best tight end prospects coming in. Not as athletic and flashy as Pitts, but mm-hmm. this guy is pretty good. Talk to me about Mayer. What do you know about him? So, super athletic. Doesn't have the height that we have with a Kyle Pitts, but can definitely get down the seam, can definitely open up a lot. Great hands, good pass catcher. I mean, I think he's exactly what we need as we're trying to actually take the team to the next level. Mm-hmm. Because you have that, you know, amazing receiver down in the middle at that tight end position. Mm-hmm. That changes the game, especially when you're looking at Terry uh, Jahan Dotson on the outside. So that is the ideal pick. It's the perfect pick if we're going to actually continue to invest in offense. And then even watching Sam Howe, he actually yeah. looking at Logan Thomas. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's a game changer. And a young rookie's best friend is a tight end. I get, look, somebody telling me, hey, um, you know, the like the O-line is bad. There's no guarantee that you're going to get an O-line of the caliber of who this guy is at the tight end position. Matter of fact, this guy right here that I'm telling you guys, he's a top 10 pick, top 12 based off of situation. He's that good. It is a deep tight end class, so I, I get that. But I'm saying if we take him there at 16, I will not be upset. There's guys, you know, there's Gonzalez from um, Oregon corner. Um, there's tons of different ways that we can go. All I'm saying is when we took Jamin Davis just because of need, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people mad just because he didn't give you this production that you was looking for that early. All I'm saying is take best talent available. Take best player available and if it happens to be him i will not be upset we have a second round pick you can always trade down and still pick up a tackle do you know anything about the tackles that are coming in is it a strong tackle class is it top heavy can you find guys in the third in second and third round well see that's the big part with us um i think we're set at tackle at this point 
because you're looking at uh, Leno, who we just extended. Now, granted, he has some questionable play, but I think some of that is coaching, right? Mm -hmm. But you also drafted just a year ago, Mr. Cosby on the right side. Mm -hmm. So for me, my focus would actually be guards. Um, that will be the area that I will focus on. And a lot of times you can find good guards in your second, third, fourth round. So I think if you solidify that guard position mm -hmm. and get a healthy chase Rulia back, I think right. he was right on the cusp of being a pro bowler. And now we miss him this whole season, and that kind of changes the game. So, you know, we'll see exactly how everything comes together and what all happens from there. But for me, give me two good guards, and let me go ahead and take the best offensive weapon available. It's a weapons race out here in the NFL. If you don't have weapons, right. Like, I've been seeing several different mock drafts, and mock drafts don't mean anything, but you cannot, like, anything can happen, right? The Eagles have two pretty good wide receivers, right? Mm -hmm. What happens if the Eagles ends up drafting a guy like Jordan Addison? <laughs> or, but, 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 I mean, but you get where, I, where I'm going yeah. with this. It's like <laughs> you grab best available. You can't say, oh, Cowboys didn't go, oh, I'm not going to take a C.D. Lamb. Oh, we have Amari Cooper and we have Michael Gallup. We don't need C.D. Lamb. What ended up happening was they took C.D. Lamb and then guess what? Amari Cooper became expendable at some point, right? Same thing here. You got to take the best available. That's all I'm saying. Best available. If you can find a generational talent that falls to you, there's several guys that could be generational talent in this draft. If the right guy falls to you, you don't say, I'm not taking this talented guy. I'm going to go get the need. The Montez Sweat uh, uh, draft, and, I mean, we didn't need Montez Sweat. Or when we took Payne and then took Allen, or I don't know which one came first, uh, Allen, then Payne. Why did we take Payne after taking Allen? Best player available. Best player available. That's all I'm saying. The draft is to grab talent and free agencies to feel need. Um Dev is making some pretty good points here. He said um, he said that he feels that Cosme's a bust. I don't feel that like Cosme's a bust. I feel I prefer Cosme in at right guard mm -hmm. to find another right tackle at another time. Um, I like his flexibility. I think he's just getting better. He's going to continue to get better. Um, I mean, he outplays Charles Len uh, Leno. So, I mean, I mean if we're going to talk about <laughs> tackle play. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you, though. If we can solidify the inside, right? And also with Rulier, I think Rulier is done. Like uh, just just like Dev is saying, um, it's time to invest in a center. You can find these guys fifth, sixth, seventh round. Mm -hmm. Invest in a center, one that's versatile, one that can do a lot of the things that Wes Weiser can do, but better. But then Larson has played solid. So either way, I think that Chase Rulier is gone. To be honest, he's IR two years in a row. But if you solidify the the guard positions, which we had two solid guards, we're not going to talk about the loss of those guards. But when you had Flowers and you had um, what's his name, two solid guys. Um, even with injury, Sheriff was still he was still a dog. He was still a dog, and this year he happens to play just about every single game. He was fairly healthy this year. So sometimes you know with with injuries, yes, I get it. Larson's been, I mean, uh, Chase really been out, Larson, and then you now going into a guard that plays right guard, left guard as a center. So it's a position we need to address. Maybe you draft more guards that can play center. I don't know. But it's definitely a position that we need to address. And then, uh, like I said, if I see a talented guy, 
even if it's a wide receiver, look, we don't need wide receivers, but look, you're not going to tell me, let's say if your number one, let's say Jax is available at 16. Mm-hmm. How do you not take him? You don't. You grab him. You grab him. And if you don't take him, you trade down and you better make sure it's a good trade down. All I'm saying is you're not, you, you cannot leave talent on, on the board. If you see talent, you grab talent and you figure about everything. You, you, like you, you just have to figure everything else later. Um, but out of all of the offensive weapons out there, is there any that you're looking at that can come in? We talked about running back. Talk to me about what you told me earlier in the day. If this running back happens to be available at 16, I'm not saying we take this guy at 16, mm-hmm. but let's expound on that just a little bit. So Bijan Robinson is the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Guy in this draft class, and I would even go a step further that Jamar Gibbs. If either of these two running backs are on the board when we're picking at 16, for me, go get the blue chip talent. B. John Robinson is essentially the highest rated running back and has really been compared to a Saquon Barkley. That right there is a game changer. Mm-hmm. B. Rob, I love his story. I think he played well for us. Mm-hmm. He is not someone that's named ring bells in prison cells. If you get Bijan Robinson out here and now you go ahead and put him out here with everybody else that we have weapon-wise, our offense goes to elite. Jamar Gibbs, you know, I'm a huge Jamar Gibbs fan. So for those who haven't got a chance to watch him, he actually transferred to Alabama this year. He put on a show. But what his uh, breakdown, his comp is, is almost like a Jamal Charles or Alvin Kamara with more speed. If you grab those kind of guys or one of those two backs and you put them in this offense, it takes us to a whole different level of elevation. Even with the Scott Turner, some of the frustration has been he hasn't had that CMC back. If you have somebody that has that in this type of offense, that changes the game. My mic is muted. My bad. So the funny thing is with, you know, Scott Turner, like like you said, like you almost can't. It's like an open book test. Let's say if you have Benjamin Robinson or, you know, Gibbs, how can you fail? It's hard. To Even pick. if you have a bad offensive line. You can't fail with these guys. It's just too many guys to cover. People want these young rookie uh, quarterbacks to do well. Right. Most times they do well by having a good defense, right? You having to, you know, have weapons. Howell looked the way that he looked because he had weapons all around him, right? When was the last time we had a young quarterback that had weapons all around him, like like this, you know? So literally, any quarterback would would want to come here. And let's say we got a Bijan Robinson with a Brian Robinson, and then you know you find a, a, a serviceable tight end that's better than Logan Thomas, like. What quarterback cannot succeed? All I'm saying is, 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 is time to stop being cheap on offense and invest draft capital. And I'm glad we took Jahan Dotson last year. People said, oh, the commanders don't need a wide receiver. We yeah. have Curtis Samuel and, 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 and Terry. What? The same Curtis Samuel that we have not seen play until recently. Should that be the reason why you don't play him? I mean, like, you know, you, you always have to be in the business of improving, improving, improving. That's the nature of the game. The really good teams continue to supply themselves with weapons. You see Pittsburgh do it. They are factory. They are wide receiver factory out there. 
They never say, oh, I'm not going to take a George Pickens because I, I'm loaded at wide receiver. Oh, I'm not going to take a Deontay Johnson. And the list goes on and on and on. So all I'm saying is continue to improve. If you can upgrade over Gibson, you do it. If you can upgrade over Brian Robinson Jr., you do it. You don't say, oh, we got Brian Robinson Jr. He's the French. No. You continue to do it. Even if you can upgrade over Sam Howell, and it makes sense, you do it. It's all about getting better. You know what I'm saying? At all costs. If it's cost effective and if it makes sense. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm open to anything because when uh, they did some numbers, uh, I've been a fan since 1999, and they were saying the team has two playoff wins. Two playoff wins since 1999 and 1999 might be one of them uh-huh. and honestly might be one of them i know um yeah it might it might be one of them i think one year when sean taylor was here might have been another but i mean it's been bad so i've learned to not have any emotional attachments to any player any player can go i don't care who you are like it, it's it's when you've been part of this franchise for so long and supporting this franchise for so long and if you're okay with mediocrity, that's fine. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not content with, oh, we made the playoffs. Or the way I, I, I see it, and it might sound far-fetched, this team is a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. You play to win the game. You don't play just to play it, right? So that's my mentality. If I'm watching, if I'm a fan, guess what? I want a Super Bowl. Now, of course, there's steps to get there, but I, I feel like the defense is really good. A few tweaks here and there, this can be a, an elite defense. We saw a small sample size yesterday. Mm. This defense came out of nowhere. Where was this defense two weeks ago? Where was this defense when we actually needed it? So if we can get some consistency there, man. Uh, let me get into these comments. Give me one second. Deb says, our our Robinson needs more vision. He leaves yards on the field, but he will be good. I agree. He's just what he is. He just gets the ball and goes forward. <laughs> you know, you just got to love him for who he is. Every now and again, he'll break a hole. But we know that we didn't bring him here, here to be a home run hitter. That's why we need a home run hitter type running back. We haven't had one since what? Clinton Portis, maybe? Yeah. CP. CP. So, I mean, we need that kind of weapon. I'm tired of seeing guys like the Giants. Even Miles Sanders, to a certain extent, has that ability, but he's just not consistent. You know, you look at Ezekiel Elliott in, in his prime, beast. You look at Alvin Kamara, beast. You look at all these different guys, beast, 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 and beast. It's time that we start thinking on that level. We uh-huh. start to find those kinds of talent. And how can you find those kinds of talent? It's in the draft. But then you don't draft those guys when you're supposed to. Or even if you trade down, you can possibly still get Gibbs or B. John Robinson. If you if you're going that route and still have you know pieces, so the team has to think of how can they improve. Like I, I'm tired of grabbing these guys that you know are solid or they're decent. They end up possibly being a depth piece. I need star power. I need star power. I need game changers. I need franchise type guys. Those are the guys I'm looking for in the first round. But sometimes you go grab the need. And then you're good. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I am not okay with that. So we got Phil in the building, man. What's good, Phil? Phil says, we're, we we are a quarterback, O-line, and LB away. I agree. QB is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. O-line and linebacker, you can find easier than a quarterback. You get your quarterback, everything else takes care of itself. 
Mm-hmm. Or if you have a solid offensive line, like certain teams, it makes it easier for the quarterback to make plays. Uh, Dev says two OL, maybe three. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> man, <laughs> later rounds, grab as many OLs, OLs as you can and see who hits. I heard that Chris Paul played well. I didn't I didn't really focus in on him, um, but he's project, what, seventh round pick. So, I mean, guys like that are cool. Uh, Ron Rivera is good at finding some gems from time to time. Like Norrell, when he was in his prime, was an all-pro. I think it was like an undrafted guy. So he does have an eye, but some of his coaching abilities and, you know, some of his, some of his player evals is kind of weird. But um, talk to me about corner. I think corner is an area that we need to improve. I like Fuller, but he's not consistent. Um, I like St. Juice, but he has injury concerns. I think both guys are pieces that you roll with moving forward. But outside of those two guys, we have nobody else. We need to address the corner position. Maybe some guys that have been in the league for a while that weren't really the best, but then if, if you can coach them up, you might get something out of some of these guys. So what what is your vision for the team at the corner position? So for me, round one is offensive weapon, right? Offensive weapon can be tight end. It can be running back. It can be O-line. But round two is where I'm looking for corners. We saw Seattle walk out and go get Tariq Woolen. How did the whole league miss on this guy? 4-3 speed, six foot four. That is the type of person that we're looking at. We're gonna definitely dig in and do some, some draft look at, you know, looking at the draft prospects and things of that nature. But that's what we're looking for. A raw athletic talent to go ahead and actually bring in develop and actually start working together because when it's a weapon league on the offensive side, you have to have that speed and that talent on the defensive side. So for me, that's the one thing that I would be looking into Um, on the roster. Currently um, our safety, Mr. Butler, it's time to let Butler be out there and ball. He played a little bit on uh, this past Sunday, played well. I think he has cornerback skills. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him be developed into a nickel cornerback for us um, and still keep your Cam Curl and your Derek Forrest out there. That would be what I would be looking into. So <laughs> we got a battle in the chat between Dev and Phil. I, I love it, man. <laughs> I love. He says, Turner is the next OC. Stop it. I, man, I, look, Scott Turner, I look, when Scott Turner leaves eventually, I'm gonna dance. I'm gonna get on YouTube and I'm a, and I'm gonna dance. I can't dance oh. to save my life, but I, I I will dance. Like he, he, it's like the team will do something good, right? First down, then you run a reverse with Curtis Samuel. Team will get a first down, and instead of calling a play, even if you're taking a shot, right? It could be second and one. You want to take a shot, you can do that, but. His play calling is inconsistent. It's not creative. It's 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 you know what's about to happen. So that's why I want players that are versatile. Like when if a running back is in the game, you don't know if it's a pass or run. I don't want oh here comes Brian Robinson. We're gonna run it. Oh here comes you know uh, Gibson. We're gonna pass. Like no, you you like you need your guys to be well rounded. So here's that trade that trade back. I did want Olave in the draft, but I also wanted Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was on my list of guys that I wanted. Um, I wanted Garrett Wilson. I wanted Olave. Um, I didn't want Drake London. I didn't want Burks. 
I wanted Jahan. I wanted George Pickens. And there was one more guy that I wanted. I can't think of right now. Um, it worked out. We traded down. Instead of drafting Olave, we traded down. Jahan Dotson is just as good as Chris Olave. I don't care what anybody has to tell me. Brian Robinson Jr. is a gem. He might never be a franchise back, but he's a guy that can easily get 1,000 yards easily. And then if you use him well in the, in the goal line, he can be that Jamal Williams type of guy for you. Sam Howell could be the franchise quarterback. And then Cole Turner, that's just a, you know, just a toss in. You don't know what he's going to be. I think he can be a weapon in the red zone, but look who's calling plays. So um, talk about this trade one more time. Trade was phenomenal. I mean, you look at the value. I mean, look at what you saw on the field with Jahan Dotson. And I, I like Alave, but the big question for him coming out was, what does he do after the catch? And Jahan Dotson on that Penn State team, getting high points, vertical, receiver, a little bit more shake, a little bit more pizzazz with him. To me, he was the better prospect coming out, but Olave was the bigger name because, of course, that's typically what we have a reputation of doing is grabbing Ohio State guys or Alabama guys. By all accounts, Jahan Dotson was the guy. So now we see it, and now we're looking at it. I mean, he missed some time, but what do you see? Regardless of the quarterback, they're looking for this guy in the red zone. Yeah, Talent shows up on the practice field to the point where we had people who were members of our, our front office and coaching staff saying what? Jahan Dotson might be just as good as Terry. Jahan yeah. Dotson might be a better receiver than Terry. Yeah. You look at it, it's hard to argue with that. I think It's hard to argue with. And as much as I love Terry, I think that Jahan can be better. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I would say that, and Commanders fans will get so pissed. Oh, that's blasphemous. <laughs> Did you just say that Jahan Dotson is better than Terry McLaurin? Yeah. What I'm saying is what this guy has done as a rookie is equally as impressive as what Terry was able to do. This guy right here, you put the ball in his hands, he gets into the end zone. He just has a nose for scoring. He just knows how to score. And different skill set can't do some of the same things as Terry. It's kind of like having two Terry's, but one is younger, right? And who knows? Years from now, hopefully it's five years from now, six years from now, of six more productive Terry seasons, I'm hoping. And then you say, okay, you want to move on, then you can do something like that. But it's always good to continue to add to your room and start to build that culture. Now we can say, man, we got two really good wide receivers. I can't remember the last time I could have said that confidently. Two guys that we drafted. We actually drafted two really good wide receivers that could both potentially be Pro Bowlers one day. Terry's one. Jahan has that potential to be one. So it's it's good when you see this. Oh, man, we got Dre in the building. We got Steve in the building. Command this podcast. Y'all go check that out. Great podcast. Good to see y'all fellas in the chat. Um, it says, Dotson, I think, is a more talented player. Um, it's Thielen and then uh, getting Jefferson, maybe. Um, I kind of missed what led to that comment. But um, – you continue to add, like, even Minnesota, right? You got Osborne, who's going to be taking over for Thielen. But why get Osborne when you have Thielen? You just have to continue to have that revolving door of one guy leaves, you have another one, another guy come up. This is my bold prediction right here. I think that if Curtis Samuel is moved, traded, or for whatever the reason is, God forbid, even injured, I'm hoping he's healthy because we need all the healthy all the healthy weapons we can, we can get. I honestly think that Dayami Brown could have a nice season next year if he gets the opportunity and if Sam Howell is the quarterback. 
and if <laughs> we have oh. an offensive coordinator, because it has to be so many ifs. Because if we have a like that play to Terry, if Dayami Brown ran that, I'm not saying that, oh, he's a guaranteed score. That's a Dayami Brown type route. Uh-huh. You say Dayami go. That's a touchdown. We saw two, we saw that versus the Titans this year. That was the first time we saw what Dayami Brown can do if you have the right quarterback in the right system. He's just a field stretcher. He might never be nothing special. He might never be a pro bowler or whatever, but as your wide receiver four, wide receiver three, if he can create some of those plays just stretching the field like Deshaun Jackson used to do, that's a weapon for you. Talk to me a little bit about Dayami Brown. I know you saw him a lot yeah, you know, in college. So, so that's the real thing, right? I don't think we utilize him the way he probably needs to be utilized. And I think Curtis Samuel actually gives you a lot of predictability on the field. Him playing underneath is really not the way you want to actually design an elite offense. What are we working at when we're looking at elite offense? We're looking at that elite tight end who's the undefeated person. You want to actually have that third receiver to be your field stretcher. And then you're in a situation where you have Terry and you have a Jahan Dotson, where you can literally kind of do any kind of route with them. But if you send Ayami down the scene, now you got your tight end underneath, you got your back out of the backfield. Those are the things that actually set up elite offense. What do you see with the Chiefs? You see that elite tight end. What do you mm-hmm. see with Philadelphia? You see Dallas Goddard. And mm-hmm. you got somebody who can't catch the ball, but is a field stretcher in Quez Watkins, who's always open, but he just can't catch the ball half the time. Right. That's the that's the model that you see with the lead offenses, the Rams that as mm-hmm. the team, he can be that kind of guy as yep. with the connection that he already has with Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. Put that together, that's a winning combination. Now let me see. Dev is trying to call me out. Dev knows exactly what he's doing. I'm not saying to let go of Curtis Samuel to get more snaps at Deami Brown. What I'm saying is if the opportunity presents itself to where we need that money for Curtis to pay pain or to pay Cameron Curl. All I'm saying is this, Curtis becomes expendable. You have Terry who's getting paid big money, right? You have Curtis who's getting paid solid money, not the best money, but he's getting paid, right? Then you have a first-round pick of Jahan Dotson. You've invested so much in that wide receiver room and even drafting Brown in the third round. So all I'm saying is if somebody needs to go, it might have to be Curtis Samuel just to create I mean, either a reconstruction <laughs> or something has to give. All I'm saying is that there's so many guys to pay. And I'm telling you guys, the fans are going to be so pissed seeing a guy that they like. Some guys like Cole Holcomb. I don't too much care for Cole. I think Cole is solid, but you can find Cole anywhere. You can find Cole anywhere. He's nothing special to me. He's a, he's a jack. He's just another guy. But you're going to have these fans that think that Cole is the next coming of Brian Erlacher. And you want to keep them. You can't keep them if you have a guy like Curtis. It's too much money tied into that wide receiver room. It's good to have a, a, a vet, a stud like Terry that you're paying, and then a guy that you invest a first-round pick in or a second-round pick in to be that next guy to get paid when it's time. That's all I'm saying. Dev, thanks for calling me out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, okay, he agrees with me. Now he sees the vision. Yeah, that's all I mean because, I mean, in order to keep that defensive line together, defensive line is what makes his team. Even without Jonathan Allen being there, you saw how great this defense can be or how good this defense can be because of the defensive line. If the defensive line is doing its job, it makes – I mean, you can have dollar general, great value type linebackers, which we've gotten away with to a certain extent, 
but it hurts us because of the consistency of the play. But if you have this defensive line, some of these other positions, you can be a little bit cheaper. If you do not have this defensive line, guess what? You need a stud corner. You need a stud linebacker. You need a stud safety. You need stud everything because, you know, there's going to be holes everywhere. But this defensive line helps to cover up some of the holes. The last uh, topic of the day before we go ahead and end this podcast is Chase Young. We got to talk Chase Young, and it's a tough conversation to have being that I'm a big Chase Young fan. But Chase Young came back. I think he looked okay coming back from the injury that he came back from. I would have loved to just see him just come back next year. But it was still good to get him some reps, get him some reps. His energy is infectious, and he does a lot of things outside of stats. You know, people were mad. Oh, he had zero sacks in three games. Oh, he hasn't had a a double-digit sack season since whatever. He won rookie of the year and this and that. What is your take on, on Chase Young? Is next year a make or break it for Chase Young? Honestly, um, I love Chase. From the area, definitely a great team guy, a great culture guy, a great energy guy, right? Mm-hmm. But he has to be elite. He has to work on pass rush moves. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't actually commit himself to working on pass rush moves and you can't actually generate sacks, then that ending of itself is going to be a problem. Can't have that out there. So my whole take is he has to improve as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. We have too much talent out there, not for not to be elite because you can't double team those guys. Yep. So you have to get to the point where you're getting the productivity out there. And if it's not sacks, it's quarterback pressures. I mean, he's been non-existent coming back. We do understand he's coming back out of the injury, but if he doesn't produce next year, um. Hey, <laughs> hey, you talking about fifth year and uh thank you so much for your services. See ya. I right. mean, it's just it, it's a business, like I said. You have to put the emotions away. Um, I have no emotional attachments attachments to any player. I just want to win, man. Two playoff wins since 1999, it's not cutting it for me. It's not cutting it for me. So I don't I don't care who needs to go. Even I remember when we had topics, should the commanders trade Chase Young for a franchise quarterback? And they named some pretty good, you know, franchise quarterbacks. And everybody said, no, oh, you don't touch Chase Young. I get the investment and everything. But if it was a chance to get a Joe Burrow, you know, now, not not the Joe Burrow before the draft, but like after the fact, now we know who he is. I'm sorry, man. I would do it. You know, it just is what it is. It's it's a business. Um, But before I move on to a few other topics, um, seems like the fan base is loving what's Sam, what Sam Howell brings to the table. They love his ability to hit wide receivers like Terry and Dotson and Stride, 50 yards down the field. Um, they love his contract, 870K this year. I mean, next year, and then nothing more than 1.1K. So, I mean, it's if you feel you have a Super Bowl window, that's the kind of contract that you do it with. Now, whether Sam Howell is the guy that gets them to where they need to be, Time will tell. It's going to be a long offseason. You're going to hear people debating it left and right. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? It's going to be a fun offseason. I'm not going to lie. And I'm telling you, all options are on the table. One thing that I do know is that Wentz is gone. That's for sure. (laughs) And I think that Taylor Heineke is possibly gone just as well. Um it's going to be a fun offseason. I just hope that that the that the franchise makes the right decisions. Now, I wanted to address this before we left. Um, Steve um, does not agree with investing in the defensive line. Now, for me, the two guys that you got to pay 
from what I've seen is you got to pay, you already paid Jonathan Allen, and you got to pay Deron Payne. Whatever that happens with Chase and Sweat when that happens, happens. But those two guys are two guys that you desperately need to sign. Now, he's saying that he doesn't want to invest. He says that he feels like we have a stud on, on all three levels. Yes, we have Cam Curl. So, yeah, I guess. But then who's the stud at, in the linebacking group? I mean, Jamin Davis, can he be the stud? I'm, I have not seen stud yet. I think he can be a stud. So how do you feel about that? Do you think we have studs on all three levels? I'm not sure there's studs on all three levels yet. I think Jamin is definitely in the process of actually coming into his own. I like some of the things that he's actually showing, but I don't really see that elite-level coverage linebacker. In order to actually be uh, successful in Ron Rivera's defensive system, mm-hmm. got to have that elite stud coverage linebacker. You right. got Thomas Davis. You got to have a Luke Keekley. And mm-hmm. have one of those kind of guys who can literally take away a tight end. Mm-hmm. One of those guys who gets a pick six at linebacker. We don't have that. Right. So piece that's actually missing. And what's so crazy is that's the linchpin to that whole defense. Mm-hmm. But for Ron to not address linebacker, knowing that these are the guys that made the plays for him, it's kind of crazy. So I mm-hmm. look for this to be the offseason that we finally address linebacker. I was a big advocate of us actually going out and actually drafting one. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way that you want to actually go about it because you don't want to necessarily pay top money right. for a linebacker in free agency. You know, got a Roquan Smith. Maybe that changes the game. But I don't really see him in coverage. I see him boys run stopper sideline to sideline. But I'm right. getting picks and making plays. You know, like, right. they a Simmons type guy. That's the type of guy that I think makes sense for you. Well, someone that can do everything. So here's a take for Dev. Dev says he feels like Chase is more so clowny. So it's not a distant clowny, he says. He's a pro bowler most years. So <laughs> how do you feel about that? I don't think that's true. I think Chase is more than clowny, and I think that Chase is still going to refine his game. People say, oh, he needs to work on his game. You know, he needs to, you know, create more, more sacks, more pressures. I, I don't think it's all about sacks and even if it's even if it was about sacks a healthy chase young with pain and allen coming through the middle he's gonna he's gonna naturally get sacks period you know with those two guys um i think that those two guys in the middle are the two most important guys i think they end up my prediction is they end up keeping the two guys in the middle they end up keeping chase when it's time to keep chase montez what is the guy that might do the fifth year option and then walk if they decide not to pay all four guys, I think that you have to pay the guys that you see for the now and not worry about, Oh, what this guy is going to do. Cause anytime you can draft these, th- these guys that are pro bowl caliber, all pro caliber guys, when you draft them, you got to pay them when you have them. You can't say, Oh, we're going to draft another one because nothing is guaranteed. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is th- these are the guys that we want to come to DC, right? And you draft them and you about to let them walk out the door especially when they produce like pain has produced. Okay. With sweat could is sweat a legit, legit pass rush. Number one, numero uno guy, or is he Preston Smith? It's nothing wrong with being Preston Smith, but all I'm saying is, do you pay sweat like a guy, like a Bosa? That's all I'm saying. So when it comes to contracts, you got to pay these people what they're worth. Sometimes you pay for potential. 
But time will tell. For Sweat, do you think that Sweat is a legit number one guy, or do you think he's a compliment guy? I think athletically, he has the ability to actually be a number one guy. He has all the tools. But the big thing for me is productivity, mm-hmm. right? Allen and Payne are the non-negotiables yep. because you see them being productive. So until Sweat and even Chase Young, mm-hmm. they have to actually produce double-digit sack seasons in order to get paid in that particular way. Because the same right. way with those two D tackles, what that what they represent is the fact that one, you're not running straight up the middle on us, and number two, they represent the fact that you are having to double team them on the inside. So you should get one on ones with your tackles. Mm-hmm. If you can't be an elite pass rusher, if you can't be one on ones with tackles, and that's what we're looking at. All right, so we got a few comments. I'm gonna put those on the screen. I'm not gonna read everything, um, but I wanted to close with this last uh, topic, just real quick. Two minutes on this last topic. So Josh Taylor, shout out to Josh Taylor. He says, "Here's his plan for the offseason." He says, "Pay Payne, Sam Howell, rookie contract QB one, bring in a cheap vet, move on from Heineke and Wentz, cut Logan Thomas and McCain, cut Rulier, but only post June first. Draft OL, draft CB1. Keep Fuller one more year, upgrade LB2, and upgrade from Scott Turner. Out of his plan, what did you like best about his plan, and what did you like least about his plan? Man, the plan sounds phenomenal. Absolutely. Like, I don't like, I don't dislike any aspect of it. I think it all makes sense. I think all of those things, every key point there that he hit, I think is on point. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think the cornerback one piece is big. Mm-hmm. If you add in a shutdown corner to our defense, yep. what that does, it gives everybody more time to get home. Mm-hmm. So when you improve that back end, then now it gets more time for your pass rusher to get home. So I love that. I love the, the linebacker two piece. I think what we might see with even uh, with Kalik, mm-hmm. I loved his performance. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that we have somebody with that much <laughs> speed sitting on the bench this whole time, and we're out here with Mayo and Boston. So for that alone, you know, come on, Ron Rivera. What's going man. on, man? Ron but, Rivera, yeah, man. We, we yeah. might have that that speed factor. That's what we need to actually make mm-hmm. coverage and to make plays. The guy was all over the field against the Cowboys. All right. So I'm going to give my last little spill, and then I'm going to let you close it out. So the best thing that I saw – out of his whole plan was where it says upgrade from Scott Turner. Really, that's all I read. Upgrade from Scott Turner, and I think this offense improves dramatically. I mean, and, and some of the guys that I, I'm already saying cut, like Chase, Rulier, he, he has to go. Logan Thomas, I'm a, I'm in agreement. Bobby McCain, I never knew him. Um, you know, so it's, it's pieces here and there that we need to – and then the Heineke thing, I think he needs to go. So that that way, somebody mentioned, I think it was Dev. So that way, when Howell, if Howell has a bad pass or he starts to play bad, you're going to hear the crowd, go back to Heineke, go back. To, like, we have to let that chapter close in order for a greater chapter to start. And I think part of the healing process is the Commanders fans have to let go of Taylor Heineke. Thank you, TH4. You've done your best. You've done great things for the organization. And I will always be a Taylor Heineke fan. But I think it's time to move on and move forward. Taylor Heineke has been there to always bail us out and give us five exciting games or five exciting moments in a season. 
and then we fall short just because he's just who he is. He's a gamer. He's not as talented as a quarterback that you would want to have starting, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Sheilor, introduce yourself, uh, tell the people where they can find you one more time, and then we'll go ahead and end this podcast. Uh, Manny, thank you so much for having me. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter, 3D Sheeler. Uh, fantasy football is my is where I live. That's my domain and commanders all day. Uh, definitely appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. It's first episode of Talking Commanders with Manny right here on the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. Appreciate everybody who was in the chat. Appreciate Timeout Sports. Appreciate uh, Commanders Podcast. The trio was here. Dev, Phil, um, Steve. Appreciate all of you guys being in the comment section and making this podcast a success. I'm going to catch you guys on the next episode, and we are out. Peace. Peace.